We've been speaking, or I've been speaking, you guys haven't been preaching, I've been doing the preaching, but I've been preaching for the last few weeks on things the Bible doesn't say. And the reason I really wanted to go into this series of messages is the fact that the church and the people in the church, we've done a little bit of damage with our perception of some of the different verses, and I wanted to hit some of those. We have damaged the ability for people to come to the cross and accept Jesus Christ, We've shaken people's faith in a negative way by things that we have said that are not correct. And that's not good. Uh, you know, I've talked about, you know, true judgment and not enough judgment, stuff like that. And today I want to come to you guys and I want to talk to you about, and this was, it's not so prevalent today, but it was prevalent in the early 90s, late 80s kind of thing, and, and maybe even earlier, but that's when I remember it, is this phrase where people say, Suffering is always a result of sin. Have you ever heard that? Suffering is always a result of sin was one of those phrases. Somebody's going through a sickness or something. You got demons in your life. You know, you got cancer. You got the spirit of disease. We're going to cast it out. And they bring these poor little, little kid or something up that's got a disease and they put him in a chair and they anoint him with oil and they, they freak him out and he doesn't get better. And it's because I have sin in my life. That's wrong. But we practiced that in the church. Benita's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's true, we practiced it. We thought we were doing good, but we were being over, overzealous. And so we got to reach that because suffering is not always the result of sin. Suffering sometimes is the result of sin, but it's not always the, re- the, the result of because we have sinned. And so I want to open up our Bibles today, and I want to go to the book of Job. (laughs) We're going to go to the book of Job. And if you have a hard time finding Job, that's okay, because Pastor Zach has a hard time finding Job too. I'm terrible with my order of my New Testament stuff. So just keep thumbing around until you find it. I may go well heck with it. I'll read it out of my Bible, out of my, uh, out of my phone. But yeah, I know. But it's just it's a learning curve every time. So and and I mean I even have it bookmarked. That's what's sad. Job. Okay. So we're gonna go to Job, and we're gonna go to Job chapter one. All right. And if if you know about the book of Job, you can almost call Job the book of sufferings and perseverance. Really. So Job chapter 1 and verse 6, I don't hear any paper crinkles going on. So Job chapter 1, starting at verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God from nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. 
And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on this person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's it's a uh, tangible teaching source for us in our in our spiritual lives and that it can be trusted and that it can be applied to our lives today and it's still very relevant. In Jesus' name, amen. I call this message today, sometimes it just doesn't go well. <laughs> because that's true. Okay, enter this story of Job. Job was a righteous man. He was such a righteous man that he wanted to make sure that even his family was very covered with the things of God. His kids would get together. They would have various celebrations, usually around the birthday. And they would have these parties and things like that. And he would go and he would offer sacrifices on his kids' behalf because he had this concern that maybe his kids had done something that was unpleasing to God. So he was like, I'm going to make sure they're good to go. He loved the Lord and he was a righteous man and he had done very well. He was wealthy. He had his livestock. He had his fields. He had his homes. Everything was perfect in Job's life. And so Satan comes and Satan wants to look at Job in light of, you know, God, Job has everything. He has everything's going perfect in his life. He has no reason to curse you. He has no reason to doubt you. It's all going on in his life. I will bet you that if things aren't going right in his life, he's going to curse you to your face. He says that to Job, and God's like, well, I don't think so. Go ahead and try it. Test his heart. See what happens. If you read further in this story, I mean, it's just bam, 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 one after another. He loses his livestock. He loses his servants. He loses his kids. I mean, all this stuff, major mess, suffering, pain, going, why? You know, why to Job? And so that brings that first point to us this morning, that suffering is not always because of individual sin. It was not Job's sin that caused him to lose all of this stuff. Very straight, very to the point. That that's just not the case. And I forgot to get the kids' coloring sheets. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. I'm a space cadet. You know? And so Job has nothing or has lost majorly. And he has three friends that come and start to claim into his life and proclaim into his life that what he's, he has done something wrong to cause all of this. Us as Christians, us as the church, deal with other believers sometimes the same way. Well, they're going through this because there's a sin in their life. Or, or starting to judge them. When we talked about right and wrong judging last week, and it ties so good into this. But suffering, suffering in the lives of people, it's just part of their lives, you know? And we're going to get deeper into that, but it's just part of life. Many of them... Many of many people that suffer are just good, God-fearing people, trust the Lord, love the Lord, believe in Him, but yet they suffer. Some suffer directly for His namesake. Look at Paul. Can you say that Paul had sin in his life and that's why he suffers? Absolutely not. Totally the opposite. He was suffering because he did trust the Lord. That was the reason for his suffering. 
Many are just good people. They might not be God-fearing. They're good people. They're healthy people. They eat their kale salad and they still get cancer. You know, it's just the way it is. John 9, the book of John in chapter 9 tells a story where Jesus came and he healed a blind man. This man, this man blind from birth, Jesus comes. His compassion on this man. He heals this man and the man sees again. Instantly, the disciples do what we were doing and he, they say, you know, I wonder if it was his parents' sin that caused him to be blind when he was born, or is it the sin that he had that caused him to be blind when he was born? And of course, Jesus comes and says, no, it, it wasn't the sin that caused him to be blind. That's not what caused him. But he was blind on the purpose that my Father in heaven would be glorified through his blindness. And you imagine if that guy was not blind, that teaching moment would not have happened. That miracle would not have happened at that moment. And so that was the purpose. Unless the next point in, in you know, suffering is just a fact of living in a fallen world and that of just sin in general and that original sin. You know, original sin entered with the first two people on earth. And they brought into the earth, through that choice, destruction. They brought in the opportunity for death. And they brought in the opportunity for disease. And so it's all of us combined in a generalized original sin that causes us to suffer some of these things. You know, this last week I have a, a, a pastor friend in Powell. Um, I've known him since I was in school. He's a God-fearing pastor, thank goodness. <laughs> and his family's, you know, believers too. His kids go to church there, and they're involved in music and stuff, and they're, they're adults. His daughter-in-law, pregnant with a baby, getting ready to have a baby this week. She went to, uh, I think, preeclampsia is what they call it. She went to preeclampsia, and of course, since they're up in Powell, um, she went to the hospital, and then they ended up taking her to Billings. This little uh, baby boy of hers born severely premature, I don't know how premature, I don't remember. 23 weeks born. I mean, just a little, little itty-bitty thing. And so, um, you know, they do what they can. Mike's family today is enduring the fact that this little boy didn't make it, that he didn't survive, and that mom is having a few medical conditions that are of concern she's going to make it, but that are of a concern. Now, I bring up that point is because it was not individual sin in this case that caused this little boy to be lost and this mother to have health issues. It's part of the life we, world we live in. It's part of the world that we, we exist in. And why these things happen to people, it's just sometimes, sometimes it just can't be explained. Sometimes suffering does come for a reason. And that's the main body of what I want to discuss with you guys this morning is some of the reasons why suffering takes place. Because we all, at some point in our life, are going to have suffering in us or we're going to endure suffering in our lives, whether it be our health, whether it be our relationships, whether it means going without because the funds aren't there or whatever. All of us, at some point in our life, are going to suffer. And so I want to bring forward some of the reasons why we might suffer even though 
we feel like we shouldn't. So number one, we may bring suffering upon ourselves. That's just, we got to get that one out and in the open. While suffering is not always a result from sin, suffering can be a result from sin. Absolutely. We may bring it on ourselves. Poor choices and a lack of discipline bring unhappy consequences. You know, um, if you decide you're going to go out and drink and drive, then you might endure the suffering of a DUI. That's just a fact. Long-term abuse of our bodies can bring on sickness. We don't take care of ourselves. If we don't eat right, if we don't are physical, we can endure issues in our lives that bring suffering on our bodies. That's just how it is. We have to take care of ourselves. It says that our body is a temple, right? And that we should care for it. And if we don't, then we enter the opportunity for that suffering to come in. And wrong choices that we make absolutely can come back to haunt us. Years after we've changed our ways. It's just the way it is. It's the human body. Number two, sometimes God is taking corrective action because of a sin or because of a disobedience. He's a loving God. He really is. And sometimes he has to correct the wrong things in his children. My boys, I love them to death, but sometimes they have to suffer being grounded. Sometimes they have to suffer missing out on some things. Uh, you know, we had a discussion with one of them today where they're going to miss out on a few things today because of something that needs to change. God does that with his children. He does it because he loves us. Through chastening, he proves that he loves us and that we truly are his own. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 is where you can read some of that. He corrects what is wrong, and sometimes it hurts. Just the way it is. Number three, God sometimes allows suffering so we can learn to respond to problems biblically. Have you ever seen that? He takes and puts or allows something to go wrong in our life so that we know how to call out to him and search the scriptures and find relief. Scripture tells us that Jesus learns to obe learned obedience from what he suffered at the cross. Back to Hebrews 5.8. Obtaining relief from suffering shouldn't be our main focus, though. But rather, learning to please God by being responsive and obedient to him and to his word should be what we seek after. Sometimes... I need to get back to my notes here before I get totally off key. You guys know how I can get. I've seen some people, friends over the years, that have walked through stuff. That have just walked through different things that just seem like disaster. You know, like Job kind of stuff. Just losing a loved one or losing a child. I got a friend that lives down in Colorado now. He lost his little one of his little twins. And then years later, I mean, first of all, his wife endured being a paraplegic from a horse accident when she was a teenager. And she suffered through that. Always been a believer in Christ. Grew up in the church. Sweet lady. She broke her back. Can't walk. Her husband that she had just gotten married to, you know, young, young marriage, just out of high school, he abandons her. And this 
guy that she ends up marrying loves her, takes care of her, carries her to the truck, takes care of her at home, just loves on her. You could just see the beautiful love that this guy had for him. They lose their little baby, and then his wife, she passes away from cancer after everything that he did. But through all of that stuff, that guy, smile on his face. He's a single dad now, taking care of two kids. But just a smile on his face because he knows this too shall pass and I'm going to serve my God. And I know that God, you know, these things are going to happen in life, but now my job is not to be a husband to my wife in a physical sense, but I'm going to be a husband to her still by taking care of her little ones and I'm going to be a father to these little ones because God, that's your design. That's what you have for me. I'm going to raise these kids. I'm going to raise them the way she expected me to raise them. And I'm going to raise, raise them the way you expect me to raise them. And God, if you bring me another bride or something like that, that's fine. But that's not my focus right now. He responded to this suffering that God allowed in such a biblical way. And he continues to walk. He continues to follow after. Even though things are a mess. You know? It's good. It's good. Sometimes God, this is point four, sometimes God permits us to suffer to teach us that pain is just a part of life. It's a part of life. Like I said before, sin entered the world and thereby things just kind of went, all right? I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> but nowhere does the Bible say that the Christian will not suffer from adversity. From adversity. You know, um, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with people thinking I'm just a crazy nut job because I follow after this. I've been called Jesus Freak. My nickname in college after I followed Christ from my old friends was Moses. You know, they called me Moses. And they thought that was funny. But it hurt. You know what I mean? I felt the adversity of that. They did not like what I was up to. They did not feel comfortable with what I was up to. And that's fine. You know? That's life. That's how it goes. Paul points out in Philippians 1.29 that it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also suffer for his sake. Consider it all joy, my friends, when you suffer from trials of many kinds. You know? Paul in chains, suffering. Peter arrested, singing hymns in the jail. Suffering in jail. Not jail like we got today, but jail like they had back then. You know what I mean? If you can imagine it, that's what was going on. He's suffering that way, and he's singing hymns. And we can't make the car payment. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just sometimes things happen. Adversity can be a gift from God. You know, because out of that gift, let's talk Peter for a second. Peter suffering in chains, he gets released. What happens there to that jailer? Hmm? It's a gift from God. That man and his household go into the kingdom of heaven out of that adversity, out of that suffering. And so we look at that, that adversity can be a gift from God. Christ did not evade the cross to escape suffering. Hebrews 12.2 tells us that he endured the cross, despising the shame. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? 
Because the joy was set before him. The joy was not in the cross. The joy was not in the death. Joy was not in the pain. Joy was not in being beaten. The joy was not being hanging on the cross naked, losing all of your dignity. Because that would be just terrible. The joy was in the final product because he saw that final product. The joy was in seeing you and me come to him. The joy was in seeing seeing his father glorified. The joy was being obedient to what his father had for him to do. That was the joy. His joy was to suffer briefly so that we could all have life. But let's not give up on hope and engaging in a self-pity or bitterness. The end result is what we all look forward to, being with the Lord in heaven. It will put all things into perspective. This life that we live on earth is hard. You know, it's challenging. The boss might be a pill. The kids might be a pill. Family relationships might be a mess. We may have physical illness in us. But in the end, in the end, our bodies are made complete again, right? And we enter into his kingdom. We sit at his table. After all of that, restored 100%. Ooh, happy little girl over there. And uh, she's saying, amen, Pastor Zach. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes God, and this is, this is point number, and I, I did them in letters. This is point five. God may permit suffering for our own well-being. For our own well-being. And you know that all things work to good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. Let's read it again. And we know that in all things, okay, capital A-L-L, all things, and if you're looking this one up, underline all, things, God, <laughs> let me start over. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We must accept this by faith and pray that God, his high, God's highest good will come as a result of our suffering. Only through adversity are some of the deeper lessons of life learned. Have you ever learned through suffering, through hardship, we learn. We learn to trust in him. We learn to proclaim the truths of who he is. We, we learn to look at what is good in our life and realize that we do have blessing even though we have hardship. We learn to rely on him only. We have Job here, has everything, and then all of a sudden taken away. He has friends saying, why don't you just curse this God of yours and roll over and die? You know? I've heard people say that. They have a bad day. Things aren't going around us. I ought to just take a bottle of pills. You know? Read Job. If that's what you're going through. Read Job and realize that this too can pass. That this too can change. That this too can get better than it is right now. Trust God to work out His own will and purpose in us so that we might be more like Him. So we'd be more like Him. There is no redemptive merit in our suffering as there was in that of Jesus. But if we are faithful under adversity, we may be able to share in the fellowship of His sufferings. Philippians 3.10 Sometimes God permits suffering to speak through our life and testimony to comfort others. People are watching. 
People are watching you. People are watching me. People are watching each other. And when you go and you put the Christ Christian hat on, and then you go through trials, they're watching. And if they see you walk through that, and they see you walk through it holding His hand, and they see you continue to walk and to be faithful and say, that God loves me. I know things are not good in my life, but that God loves me still. And I'm going to follow Him. They see that. And it causes... It can cause significant change in other people. Jesus said that that the suffering of that blind man was so that the works of God might be, be displayed in his life. That man knew that that man could do something for him. And that man did it. And people went, wow. Disciples said, who sinned? God said, Jesus said, nobody. I'm just here to be glorified through this. That guy's attitude. I want you guys to take a last turn in your Bible this morning because I think it's important that we read this part. And I think it's important that if you're the kind of person that likes to use a yellow highlighter or a pen or something, that you, unli- that you underline this. And so I want you guys to go to the book of James this morning. And we're going to go to James. And we're going to start at chapter 1. In verse 2. So James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the test of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Count it all joy when you suffer trials of various kinds. That's a hard one to absorb. That's a hard one to take. You mean when I'm going through H-E double hockey sticks on earth, I'm supposed to consider it joy is what it says. That's a hard one to absorb. But we have to learn like Job did in here that in suffering and in pain and in destruction in our lives, he is enough. He is enough. The, the whole pursuit, Job, Job never found out why he was suffering. You have to understand. He never understood that this thing was going on in heaven. He never understood why he was to suffer this way. And that's not the point. He, his point in the story is not to learn why he was suffering or to learn about this conversation. Things happen in our lives where we never get to know why. You know, have you ever just had one of those where you want to go, Why? And he doesn't give the answer. That's not the point. We can hold on to the fact that God will use them for good anyways. You ever heard the old phrase, when you, when someone hands you a lemon, make some lemonade? <laughs> kind of goes that way, doesn't he? God is not interested that we love him because of his provision. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want us to love him just because he's going to make sure everything's hunky-dory in our lives. If that was the case, every single person in the world would come to Christ like that. Because he's going to, he's going to take care of it. Um, years ago, Frank Peretti wrote a book. And I don't know if you guys know Frank Peretti. He's like Stephen King of the Christian world, <laughs> to say the least. He, he writes kind of spooky stories or interesting stories. 
he wrote one. Um, what's that movie, Elijah? It's drawing a blank on me really quick. He wrote a book, and it was turned into a movie. And basically in this movie, there's this uh, false Christ that comes into the visitation. This false Christ comes in. And this guy is able to uh, heal some people of some diseases and things like that. And, and, you know, do these amazing crafty tricks. And then things start to fall apart on them. And they go back and he demands out of them. And he demands more. But people keep going to him, not because they really love him, but because he's doing what they need. God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to go to him and say, I love, I love you, God. Because my mortgage made it last week. I mean, we might, God, I love you so much. Thank you for covering my mortgage last week. That's okay. You know, he takes care of us on those kind of things. Sometimes he doesn't. But when he does, we thank him. We give him the praise. We give him the glory. We didn't think we were going to make ends meet this this month. But lo and behold, Aunt Sue sent us a check for the exact shortage we had. Thank you, God. You know, those things happen and we're thankful. But that's not why he wants us to love him. Even if that check didn't come in, he wants us to love him still. He's interested in that we love him just because of the simple fact that he is God. That's why Jesus came down. He says, I want people to love my Father in heaven because he's worthy to be loved. And so I'm going to do what I need to do so that they can have a relationship with him and he can, they can experience that love that he has for them and they can give back to him the love that he's that he deserves. So he just wants to be loved for being God, for being creator of everything, for for being the designer, the author, the perfecter of the universe. He doesn't want it to be because everything in our life is perfect because we live under his protection. Have you guys ever, those of you that have kids or had kids, ever had to do the tough love thing? Had to do the do the tough love. <laughs> Mariah's laughing. Oh, just a minute ago. So, you know, sometimes, you know, like, um, I'm going to give an example here for Joram. He's going to be mad about it. But two, the first the first youth group Sunday that we had, it was, you know, on Sunday afternoons, sometimes I got to do some chores and stuff like that. And um, my boys have this real tendency of leaving their scooters and their bicycles and all that stuff right behind the cars. Come on. You know, and so I backed our explorer up, and when I backed it up, I felt thump thump. And when I backed up, there's Elijah's scooter, and like throw it off in the corner. And I don't think it got broken. I think it's okay, isn't it? <laughs> the blame game takes place at the front of the church. Very nice. We'll talk after church. Um, <laughs> But lo and behold, that happens. And I mean, I've told the kids over and over again, I'm not going to be happy if I run over one of your toys and it gets stuck underneath my work car and it's 6.30 in the morning and I need to go to work. Please put your stuff up against the house. It's not the end of the world, but they won't do it. Kim backs out her car to go to youth group. So we're getting back to Jay here. She backs out her car. She takes off. I'm staying home. She sends me a text. She's like, I just ran over a jar of skateboard. I said, oh, now I'm one of those guys that kind of has a different teaching moment in this kind of stuff. And I said, hey, Joram. He says, what? You know, he's in the living room or whatever. I'm laying down on the bed. I said, could you go put your skateboard away for me? 
That's all I said. And say, your mom ran over your skateboard. I said, can you go put your skateboard away? And Jorm's thing is, if he doesn't figure, if, if he can't get the taken care of, he just kind of like brushes it under the rug. And so he goes and he takes off. He's gone for a couple minutes. He comes back. And I hear him goofing around in the living room. Again. I said, hey, did you get that skateboard? Oh, go get it. And when we do this like two or three times. And then the last time, I'm like, okay, he can't find it because Tim probably picked it up and threw it in the garbage can. And so I walk out into the garage. And I'm like, did you find it? He's like, I'm looking for it. And I look in the trash. It's not in there. I'm like, where is it? And I look over on my workbench, and there's a skateboard that's broken half. And I said, did you look on the workbench? And I just walk inside the house. And he goes, oh, 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 yeah. You know, you know how kids are. And he sets the skateboard down on the ground and upside down. He's like trying to step on it and get it to go straight. I'm like, dude, it's broken. It's done. It's done. And then you guys that have kids, he does exactly what you guys would expect as he looks at me with diamonds in his eyes and says, you know, I know what, I know what he's going to say. He doesn't say it. Next time we go to Walmart, can you? No. Uh-uh. Tough love, bub. Next time? Pick up your skateboard, right? That's how sometimes we have to be learned. We have to learn, right? I don't even know why I was going down the road with that story. Let me look at my notes really quick, make sure I know. But it, I guess the simple thing is, is it's not just his provision and taking care of us, his banner over us, totally guarding us. You know, when things go wrong, and he had, he had a wrong day there with his little skateboard, it's not that I didn't love him that I'm not gonna that I'm gonna get him a, not gonna give him a skateboard. That's not the point. It's not that I don't like him. It's that that's how you're gonna learn. And if I bought my kids every single thing that they ever wanted, and they had every, you know they had the Xbox One plus the PlayStation 89 or whatever it is now, and and they had the Lenovo fancy super gamer computer and. They had the fanciest dirt bike, and they just had everything handed to them in the whole world. And then that one time they didn't get what they wanted, how would they act? They would be spoiled brats. God's not in the business of making spoiled brats. And so things don't always go perfect, right? They don't always go well. I'll quit messing with you guys on that, but just remember that suffering is not always a result of sin. It's sometimes a result of sin. Sometimes he's trying to teach us something. Sometimes he's trying to grow us. Sometimes it's just the factoids of life and the fallen world we live in that we go through things. But in all things, remember to love him and trust in him and count it joy to be his child. Will you guys pray with me?